Hello, everyone, and welcome to That's a Dumb Rule Podcast. I'm Ben. And I'm Greg. Greg, I walked in today, and you had a big old surprise for me. The NBA <laughs> draft just passed. Yep. And you know I love me some drafts. It's like a holiday in my right. house. Uh, I was told you have some talking points you wanted to go through about the NBA draft. Yeah. I have no idea what's coming here. Okay, so what I want to do is go through the draft, which happened, I believe it was last week. Yeah. And just get your take on some key points here. And then after we go through those, I'm going to go the top 10 picks from 10 down to 1. And you're going to tell me, did that player deserve to go at that spot? Should mm. they have gone higher, lower? And kind of what your gut feel is for their outlook for not only their rookie season coming in, but for their career in the NBA, if they're ready for it. Okay, I'll do the best I can. All right, so just give me your overall take. This year's NBA draft, I've heard that, and I'm not a big a basketball guy, so you're, I'm going to lean on you on this, but I heard that this wasn't a very strong draft class. Is yeah, that true? It, correct. I, I think this class has, I'm trying to think of a good way to articulate it, it has a very strong stardom area between the first three picks, right? Between Wembenyama, Scoot Henderson, and Brandon Miller. Like, you could see those three guys becoming stars, theoretically. Okay. In most drafts, though, you would have a middle ground of about four to five players, maybe even six or seven in some good years. Like, the I think it was the 2014 draft had this uh, happen, where you can theoretically see guys with a lot of upside, but there's something there, right? right. There's something there. Uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo was right. in later of that part. Um, you had a Devin Booker in there. A Tyler Hero goes in. Like guys that you theoretically can see being a piece. Right. And a substantial piece, whether it be in the middle of a, a trade or they become a superstar. Um, but okay. that's usually what you'd see in some of the better end drafts. In this draft, I mean, by the time we get to the seventh pick, not to cheat ahead, but there's guys going where I'm like, man, you might be getting an okay role player, but really? I'm not really sure you're locking anything in. And I'm, of course, going to be biased because sure. I love drafts. I overthink them. This is one I didn't cover the same way I usually do. So for me, I'm usually watching a lot of tape and I'm getting an idea of what's going on with some right. of these players. And a lot of the guys that I watched this year were casually. Yeah. So I didn't get a chance to really sell myself into them the way that some of these teams might have. Fair enough. But that being said, there were some weird picks this year that I personally just didn't love. <laughs> okay, we'll get to that, so don't jump ahead. Yeah, okay. of course, of course. Um, my next point here, I'll just ask you straight out, any big surprises, or was yeah. it was it kind of par for the course what you expected? Yeah, I think the biggest surprise is probably the, the one that most people are talking right now, and that's Jet Howard. Okay. Um, he went, let me remind myself, the uh, with the 11th pick to the Magic. Yep. And when it happened... They were talking about, okay, what does Orlando need? Right. Well, they need shooting, and they need kind of these face-up bigs that are able to stretch the floor out. Jet Howard is neither of those things. <laughs> and so when that happened, it was so shocking. And I can't believe I forgot this. Forgive me. I'm going out of order here. Yeah. That's the second pick of the draft that they had. They drafted Anthony Black earlier with right. the sixth pick, which was even more confounding, at least to me, because when I'm looking at a player, I always like to compare, you know, who does this remind me of, yeah. right? And most people do a very good job of this in media. But for me, the one I hear all the time about him is Markel Fultz. Okay. Talented score, jump shot's not really there, but can facilitate and do a lot of things very well. Well, who do you think has Markel Fultz right now? Right. Orlando Magic. <laughs> they got the same player. They already have him. And okay. so when you're looking at their roster and how it's built – 
I didn't understand that pick completely. I still don't. I understand there's mm. an upside. It's a great talent. Yeah. But there were other players there that I would have loved to have. Uh, and Wallace was certainly one. Grady Dick is another. Jordan uh, Hawkins. Go get some shooters. Yeah. There were some good shooters out well, there. Well, let me ask you this. And you see this a lot in the NFL where a team, they'll just take the best to play, the best player on the board, right? Yeah. Whether they need them or not, it was it, maybe that's some of this with Jet? Or do you think Orlando just didn't really know what they were doing? Or? No, I think they saw the upside and they decided, okay, we'd like to take Jet Howard because he's kind of a triple threat when you're talking about a draft pick in general. And I'll compare him to somebody that he's way underqualified to be compared to. Okay. What was so interesting about Steph Curry? Steph Curry was a nice shooter. He wasn't a great shooter in college. Right. And he had NBA potential, but he wasn't fully there. It took him a couple years. Right. But what was with the big third piece? And you probably don't remember this. Maybe you do. It's his dad. Right. His dad played in the NBA. He yep. grew up in that system. He understands what it's like before he's even played a minute. Ah. And I, I definitely got feelings of that because this year was different. I watched the draft with my mom, who's not a basketball fan. Right. And so my mom gives those comments of like, why would they pick him? And that's really the first thing I think of is my mom pointing out, wait, I know who his dad is because she's okay. from Michigan. Oh, Fab Five member, of course. Yeah. So. The pedigree is there. Yep. Jet understands the NBA because he grew up around it. Okay. And so I think that could definitely be a piece. But ultimately, there were guys behind him. Hell, his own teammate, Kobe Bufkin, <laughs> who I had ranked higher than him. Right. There were players out there. And Grady Dick is the one that's like, what were they doing? Mm-hmm. Because they needed a shooter. He's the best shooter in the draft. He goes two picks later to the Raptors, who historically over the past 10 years have nailed most of their draft picks. Okay. And so it just looked like... Orlando slipping back to the old Orlando ways. <laughs> they have two outstanding players yeah. right now that they can build around and a lot of great role players and a couple of misses here and there, but you right. can get over that. Yeah. And you have two picks in the first round and it seems like they missed on both of them. And I remember going into this draft, you told me this a couple months ago, you said Orlando is right there. Yes. All they need is to put a couple pieces yeah. in and it kind of sounds like they missed that. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, if they picked up two nice pieces this year, you know, respectively, if one hit yeah, and it was a great starting player, which when you're picking at the sixth, the sixth pick in the draft, right. that should be a starter. In my mind, it should be a starter, sixth man, seventh man, somebody that has impact in the game playing over 20 to 25 minutes. First year out. Exactly. Okay. And you're hoping for that. And again, this is a weak draft, so you can't expect that out of everybody. Right. But you should go into this draft with the aggressive nature of, hey, we need a guy because... We have two picks. We have great capital. We can do something with this right, right now. And there were players that could help them, and they didn't move for those players. They <laughs> moved for future uh, future players with upside, and yeah, I respect the hell out of that. There's right. been some good players yeah. that they do that for. Paul George is one of the best examples. But you know what? I, I just had a hard time wrapping my mind around both of those picks. Okay, so I'm going to get to two more points here. Then Please, we'll switch yeah. to the top ten. Then I want to come back to some other things. Yeah. But um, in your opinion, what team had the best draft? And what team had the worst draft? Mm. So sounds like Orlando might be in. The- <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry, Orlando. I love Orlando too. Yeah. It's got one of my favorite players there. Yeah. You know, let me consult real quick with my notes because I had a okay. couple of teams that stood out to me. Um, going in backwards from three one and then uh, three two then one. Excuse me. Right. I thought Portland did a really good job. 
I've heard that too. Yeah. Um, I know it's kind of a cop out to say like, well, they got maybe the second best player for the third pick, mm-hmm. but ultimately you have a franchise point guard in a Scoot Henderson that's right. there to show up and work. He's a culture setter. He's not taking a huge step. I know this is going to be controversial, but right. Dame Lillard, hard worker, never has a problem, shows up to work, does his job, gets buckets. Scoot Henderson, hard worker. That dude's got the body of a 36-year-old when you see him, just the shoulders and everything. Really? Like Everything about him strikes me like Dame, but he looks he plays a little more Russell Westbrook-y okay. in terms of that raw athleticism. I love the pick for the culture, for the locker room. He's great in front of the camera. He's good in an interview. He's a good franchise player. And mm-hmm. you might get one player later that's better than him, but you can ground a franchise around right. Scoot Henderson. And I think if you could do that with the third pick, that's a huge win. Yeah. And it does feel like a cop-out because ultimately I, I thought he was the second-best player. Uh-huh. I know you had some yeah. beliefs he might be the second-best player. Yep. Not that the Brandon Miller is necessarily a bad pick. They needed it. Um, but I just think... That is not usual that you can find one of the best players at the third, fourth, fifth pick. So would you say that, and having the best draft doesn't necessarily mean you get the best player, right? Exactly, yeah. When you go into a draft, you need to fill holes in your roster. You're going to be surprised who I pick as number one. Okay. Yeah, (laughs) because you're hitting on exactly that. Yeah, because you may may say, you know what, we're we're not ready to win now, but we're going to have a really good draft so we can win in two or three years, right? Exactly, yeah. So what's your take on that? So my number one, I'm going to skip over number two because okay. it's less interesting to me now because that's a better question, I would say. My favorite draft all night was the Houston Rockets. Yeah. I love what they did. Um, I love – so there's the two brothers. There's Asir and Eamon Thompson. Right. And Eamon is more the point guard, facilitator, raw athletic. Uh, Asir, Asir is more of kind of your your rangy twitchy i almost call him a zero guard he can dribble he can shoot he's not necessarily a two he's not a one he's kind of an in-between right now an iverson-esque kind of belief or mm-hmm. a Dwayne wade um not that he's going to be those guys but i when i watch him he has that kind of twitchy athleticism and his brother does too but i love that the rockins went with Eamon, um simply because they're good kids yeah they're solid that is a roster that needs a point guard you cannot have Ty Ty Washington, Jalen Green, right. um, Kevin Porter Jr. coming in there who they're undisciplined. Right. And they, they're scorers and they're just throwing up shots and there's no discipline. On top of, you just hired Ime Adoka, who I think is like my number one pick and most likely to fight a player on the court mid-game. You need <laughs> discipline in there right. and you need to start setting up cultures because they're one of the youngest teams in the league. And you're getting, in a sense, even though he might be one of the youngest players on the team, a pro. Yeah. He played pro ball for a year before he came and joined the NBA franchise. Yeah. And then on top of that, they get an absolute steal in Cam Whitmore from Villanova at pick 20. Right. Who I couldn't believe he slipped that far. And we've heard every story out there possible of why, mm. why he slipped far. It's his right. knee. It's his interviews. It's this, it's that. At certain points, you can't find a body like that in the NBA. Mm-hmm. Everybody wants a player like that, a ranged wing that can shoot, that can dribble, he can pass, he can rebound. If you get him committed, and I think if you have him with the right coach, which I think Ime is, you can get a lot out of that. Yeah. And we've seen players with more concerning injuries come back and be something special, like Steph Curry. No one right. wanted to draft him because of that ankle injury. The ankle, yeah. I just, at some point, it's a draft. You need to get talent. And to fall that far with that kind of prototype to be a basketball player that everyone would want, 
I mean, kudos to the Rockets. Sometimes it's just luck, and yeah. you know what? They took advantage of it. So Rockets, best draft, Magic, probably the worst draft. I, I, if you had to say it to I me. would say, yeah. And <laughs> okay. Orlando, I think, you know, there's going to be guys out there. Like, people have said Boston. They keep moving back. I'd give them, like, a B just because yeah. they knew what assets they had. They didn't want to strike hard on this draft because they were uncertain, most likely. But I, I think when you are in a position like the Magic were to really close out and dominate the draft, you had two big pieces of capital within the lottery. Right. And you don't seal the deal on right. at least one player that people are like, okay, I know what I'm getting. That's what made the Raptors pick of Grady Dick. So, like, this was there for you guys. Like, yep. it's he's shooting almost 41% in college, knockdown shooter. Yeah. He's an All-American. He was a top five player in high school. Like, he's got everything you would ask for. And yet they decide to go kind of with some stretches. And you know what? They're entitled to do that kind of stuff. Yeah. And there's other great picks littered throughout this, though. But, like, um, the Wizards picking up, I'm going to botch the name, is Koulibaly. Yeah. Um, I, I have a tough time from the games that I've seen him play. He's a great defender. But I do get a little bit of um, Frank Nilakina vibes. Okay. Where Frank Nilakina was drafted by the New York Knicks. Supposed to come in, be this rangy one who could defend, and he's a nice defender, but the offensive game never came over. And I, I kind of see a little bit of the similarity, and it's not because he's European. It's just hmm. from the games I've seen, I've had trouble kind of visualizing it. Jairus Walker, who went next to Houston, it traded to the Pacers. Some people love or hate that pick. I'm still making up my mind. Yeah. Um, and then Carson Wallace, I really like him going to the Thunder. The Thunder make another solid pick, yeah. a competitive point guard that wants to go at it. Like. That's great. And then the Mavericks getting Derek Lively. I wasn't too crazy about that. Right. But that's my own bias saying you can find the center anywhere. Right. You can't find shooting. Right. And that could have been another pick where people got, like the uh, Mavericks went, okay, we need to space the floor more because we got two guys that want to be in the lane, out of the lane, passing between Luka Doncic and Kyrie Irving. Mm-hmm. Go get a shooter. Go mm-hmm. get somebody that can stretch the floor. And instead they get a big that has had trouble getting a three-point shot yeah. developed. And it's been a while, and he also hasn't played. Yeah, I questioned that pick. Okay, so let's go. Let's do this. Let's go through top ten. I'm going from ten to one. Yeah. Never mind how they, a player may have gotten traded afterwards or whatever. But yeah. just I want to just get your gut feeling on does this player belong in this draft spot? Too high, too low, or right on the money? All right, number okay. ten, the Mavericks drafted Casey Wallace. Yeah, I think he's a top ten player. Is he a ten or is he a four? Um, he's not a four. Okay. I would say uh, I'll give you a range. I would say if he went somewhere between seven and twelve, I think that's the perfect that's range for him. for him. Yeah, because there's a couple teams in there that I look at and I'm like, you could take a competitive point guard. It'd be okay. Yeah. Like, um, if I saw the Jazz take him, I'd get it. If I saw the Wizards take him, I'd get it. Pacers have a lot of guards. That's where I kind of draw the line. Right. Um, at the seventh pick because you have Matherin. You have Nimhard, and then you have uh, Halliburton. I could see that being a full room, right? Um, but it's a guards league, you know. And yeah. I think it's somewhere in there, you know. The Magic, I might have to have a little bit of a conversation because he would have been a good pick there. But I think people would have said, "Hey, there's other players to be considered before you jump straight to Wallace." Okay, and I also want to ask you: with each of these picks, does that make the team better, worse, or the same? Mavericks. Um, I would say for the Mavericks in this particular situation it it doesn't move the needle for them he got traded to the thunder in real life and i love it for the thunder okay 
And in reality, you know, this 10th pick was made by the Thunder. They traded the picks, and right. it need to be official afterward. Right. I love it. It's a great backup point guard behind Shea Gilchrist-Alexander, and it's somebody that's competitive that wants to be in the building and compete. I love that kind of stuff. Okay. It's a great chemistry person. Good deal. All right, number nine, the Jazz took Taylor Hendricks. Yeah, so Taylor Hendricks, I got to pull up my stack card on him here because one of the things that I always thought is the Jazz – they know they have an eye for good talent. They can pick people up, but I just remember, I forgot how big he was. Yeah, I I figured oh six eight, somewhere in there, kind yeah. of this tweener coming out of UFC. He's six ten, um, young okay. dude, and just overall great shooting percentage from the field. Has a great promise of being a three and D player. He almost shot thirty or excuse me forty percent from three in college, and had a shooting percentage of forty seven point eight. So that means. He can get in, he can get out, he can stretch it out. I don't think he's a star potential exactly. Okay. okay. I could see him at the top playing like a Harrison Barnes role, where he's just a really solid player that any team would love to have. Okay. Um, the other thing is, too, he's not scared to rebound, get in the paint. Right. If you just kind of round out the defensive, offensive consistency between the two, I mean, the guy can get two blocks, a steal, and three three-pointers in a game. Right. Great. That's a great pickup, especially when you're building a core. So I love him at that pick. It makes all the sense in the world. I could have seen him going anywhere from the 6 to the 9 just because those are the kind of players that run the NBA right now. Everyone needs a 3 and D, a large body, and he's can be a stretch 4 or a stretch 5. Does it make the Jazz better? I think it does. A I lot do. better? Or a no, <laughs> I, I think it rounds out the roster, and it okay. finally gives us understanding of what they're trying to do. Do they make the playoffs this year with him? Tough that's a do. tough one. Okay. I would say I, I would say they're still in that play-in tournament, but I would say this. That Jazz team was a surprise this year. Right. They made all these picks, and they said, okay, we're going to be bad. We're going for Wembenyama, and all of a sudden they realized this team could was third in the West for a while. Right. Um, I think this gives them the flexibility to say, okay, all of these veteran pieces we have, we can trade them for more capital, like a Kelly Olynyk. And we can double down into the youth movement and just let this roster age. Age. And that's yeah. what OKC's doing. The Jazz can do it the same way. The only thing that needs to be taken into account is Danny Ainge is running this team, and he is not scared to pull the trigger on stuff early. Right. He's a Boston guy. Yeah. So I, I love this pick. I think it's a great pick. It's a safe pick. Um, you never want it. Home runs, I would say. That's when we start talking about right. that. <laughs> but I think this is an NBA player, and you took him in the NBA draft, and he's going to play for you. Okay, number eight, uh, Jarris Walker. Now, I believe he went to the Pacers, right? Yeah, so he was originally drafted by the Wizards. Okay. And the thing that I have the toughest part with Jarris Walker about is outstanding basketball player, right? Great college player, energy, effort, played defense, could kind of shoot, dribble, pass, played basically a center for a while, and then a power forward. He's 6'8". So to give you an idea, he and Luca are about the same size. Right. Luca's a little bit bigger. Um, my thought that I, I had immediately when I was looking at his tape, I would say about a month ago, is, I mean, you could see him being a very athletic Draymond Green, but that's like a lightning bolt hit, and you can't expect it to strike twice. Right. This is a pick I definitely would look at and go, I'm worried. Okay. I'm a little worried because where does he play? Right. Do you play him at the power forward? Do you play him at the small forward? Is he too, but he's too small for power forward, would you say? I mean, he's he's 
big enough to play power forward for sure. Because when okay. you're looking at a Clay Thompson at a shooting yeah, guard, he's six true. six, and they can play him at the three. You see those guys playing there a lot. I would say he's the perfect size for a small forward. The question is, and I'm trying to find a shooting percentage here. He's not the guy for the knockdown dude that I always think of. But that being said, average 25 points, um, or is, he posted career marks at 25 points, four threes. He can shoot it if you need him to. But I think there's this weird quality, and this is where I wish I had more info on it from tape. Right. And I just don't. Yeah. He has he has tweener syndrome, where I'm not exactly sure what he is. Right. Is he power forward? Can you play him as a small ball center? Is he consistent enough to do those things? I don't know. And so I love the pickup by the Pacers because he can fit into their system and be a tweener. He doesn't have to be one thing. He can play. He's got great post players. He's got great centers. He doesn't need to exist on one side of the spectrum or the other. Right. If you went to the Wizards, it'd be different. Okay. Um, I compare him a little bit to Brandon Clark right. um, of the Grizzlies where – there's going to be years where he plays a lot, and there's going to be years where he plays very little. Mm-hmm. And that's just kind of the unusual situation he's in. I don't think he makes the Pacers like outstandingly better, but I think his pedigree as a basketball player, he's coming in, he knows how to play, and with good coaching, they'll play him in the right situations. Okay. All right, number seven is Bilal Koulibaly, who yeah. went to the Wizards. Yeah. Right? So what's your take on him? Is he a seventh pick? Yeah, I... I didn't think he'd be this high. I thought he would be somewhere like around 10 to 12, okay. realistically. What, um, what moved him up, in your opinion? The defense and okay. the dog. Yeah. That's at least when I went backwards. So two days ago, I got a chance to watch a couple of his games. Uh-huh. The one that I wanted to watch was when he played against Ignite, which was the, when we were talking about Wembenyama versus Scoot Henderson. Right. And I just wanted to see how he competed in that because he is—he was the Robin to the Wembenyama Batman, Batman right? right? And that's not even true because he was the defensive specialist. Ah. He just became the Robin because they had trouble with their main point guard that year, and he ended up walking away. And I forget his name right now, but he's a former NBA player. Okay. I'll grab him in a bit. Um, defensively, I think he can hang. He's long. He's a long kid. He's six six. He's a bit thin, I think, to play a small forward um, at 195, but you can put that weight on. Right. He he strikes me as, a, a, like I said, a little bit of Frank Nilakina, and it's not because they're both French. Right. It's just I worry about the offensive game coming back in. Right. And there are moments where I'm watching him where it looks clunky when yeah. he's on the offensive side of the ball. But if you can smooth that out, there's been tougher projects than him, so maybe he has a chance, but – you got to get defense in this league to win, and yeah. most teams don't have it. And it's becoming kind of an, a quiet scream by many teams that they need mm. this. And so I'm not terribly surprised he snuck this high, but that being said, I expected him around 10 to 12. Okay. I didn't think he'd be going that high to that the high. Wizards. And the Wizards of all teams, I thought they would probably invest in something a little more solid than a project for the long term yeah. right now. But right. you know what? They're probably saying, we're going to be bad for a while. We'll take it. Okay. Um, Fair enough. I don't. I'm uncertain. He's a top ten player. I know a lot of people love him, um, but there are other guys here that I I just personally would have loved to see go a little bit higher. But again, that's with me doing less homework than most years. Right. So come back to me in two months. I'm gonna tell you differently. <laughs> okay. So let's move on to the next one. So six overall pick, Magic uh, drafted Anthony Black yeah. from Arkansas. Good pick. You know, is for, that too high? I think he's a top ten player. Okay. I do. I don't think he's the best player for the Orlando Magic. So to give you an idea, 
He's 6'5", he's 210, and the thing that always helps me kind of get it to picture what makes him so valuable is when the starting point guard went out, <clears throat> excuse me, for Arkansas, he was available for the rest of the season. You can play him, he's consistent, he's going to show up. Um, he averaged 12, 5, and 3. He needs to work a little bit more on just balancing an NBA court as a point guard, but most of them do. I mean, right. the guys above this well, are going to sure. say the exact same thing. Yep. But the body is there for an NBA point guard. I would say even the mentality of just he loves to hoop. But is the IQ going to come along? You know, as a point guard, you know, he's almost getting four assists a game. Yeah. Is that what you want out of a starter? I don't know. I think that this is a repeat pick. They already have this kind of player. And if anything, I would say if they have this pick at number six, I would actually consider trading back because these next couple guys that people were clearly right. clamoring to get, yeah. they really don't need. Yeah. So invest for later or go try to grab a player with your two picks and do something else. But I just felt like this was a repeat, and it was hard for me to defend. I like Anthony Black. I thought he would have been great for like a Wizards team yeah. or, or just let me kind of get another order up for myself here. But there were other teams that popped to mind. The Wizards were one. I thought he really would have been interested with the Raptors yeah. you know, later, but I don't think he would have fallen that far. I could definitely see him um, being scooped up just by like the thunder and being traded elsewhere. Yep. Um, or even the jazz, you know, yeah. there's some, there's some teams out there that could use some more guard depth that he would have been great. Okay. So number five and four were the Thompson brothers, yeah. right? Asar and Amen. Yep. Um, thoughts on those? Two? Is one better than the other? Could they have gone either, either order? So, that's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really separate them. I, I are they the same player? Maybe that's a better no. Question. They're not. Okay. Um, I would say that the talent level is is very close. I think okay. if for me, uh, Eamon going first makes sense. Okay, because he has a quality that Oscar does not, which is playmaking. At least in a step that you're like starting point guard. Right. I don't think Asar could play that position. Okay. I love him going to the Pistons though. Because why? Because they have a point guard. They have point guard depth, well, within reason. What they need is dynamic scoring. They get Jaden Ivey last year, yeah. and now they're picking up another guy like that. All of a sudden, you have a really interesting flowing offense because you can play two small guards in a starting lineup or at the last four minutes of a game because you have a point guard that's huge in Cade Cunningham. Right. So I really like this buildup. It's a great kid. He's smart. He's played pro ball. He's going to a franchise that honestly is in a point of a rebuild so they can round out his offensive game a little bit more. And he's so used to playing with his brother as the point guard, he doesn't need to take on more ball duties. He's got plenty of people that can do that between Ivy and Cade Cunningham. I just like this fit for him overall. I think it's a great pick. I think the Rockets and the Pistons probably shook hands under the table because I think they (laughs) got the right brother for both of them. If you flip these positions... You know, I still think they're getting good players, but I don't love Eamon on the pick, uh, on the Pistons. Right. I like Asar. Yep. So this worked out perfectly. I think the brothers actually landed right where they should. Great. All right, let's jump up to number three, the Blazers. Or the, yeah, the Blazers. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, Scoot Henderson. Now, a lot of a lot of chatter has been he should have gone second. Is that yeah. – would you fall in line with that, or do you think at second you know, or third, does it matter? I mean, Going into the draft, I, I felt Brandon would go second, and I understood that because we've kind of danced circles around – he is the kind of player that every NBA franchise needs, right? right. He's that six nine wing. He can defend. He can pass. He can shoot. Right. Perfect. You got a point guard. 
and you got a guy that needs to pass, you're starting to collect size. There really was a redundancy in getting a Scoot Henderson, but the thing that I keep coming back to is at some point, you got to saddle up and say, is LaMelo your guy? Yeah. Is he your A1? Right. Or do you want to take a test and see, maybe he's not your one, maybe he's your two. Right. And here's the superstar player out here that possibly can be one of the one of the best players out there, or at least at ground level, is just a hardworking player in a franchise that's consistently dysfunctional. Right. I just thought this would be a great pick if you wanted to stabilize your franchise because now they're being sold. You know, Michael's shelling his share. Mm -hmm. They've been one of the most unsuccessful franchises in NBA for the past 20 years. The Hornets, yeah. And they pass by a really safe pick. And it's not that Brandon isn't talented, but Brandon's been in some trouble lately. Yeah. And now he's going to a team where you're having Bridges is coming back, who who just got off a year-long suspension. You're having LaMelo Ball, who isn't exactly disciplined. You're having a coaching carousel going on. Yeah. They're looking for bigs, and they're taking bigs in, but they're not really progressing the way you'd hope. Right. And I would say if they have a likelihood of being bad again, they're one of my top picks. Mm. And I just felt like you're staring a gift horse in the mouth. Sometimes you need to take the safe pick, even though the other guy is exactly what you need. Right. Um, but okay. that being said, Scoot and Brandon, I've seen Brandon at his highest. I've seen him at his lowest. He's incredibly talented, but I think Henderson's the better player between the two. Okay. And then that leads us to number one. <laughs> yeah. Big surprise, right? Victor Wembenyama. <laughs> um, so tell me, what the, what does that do to the Spurs? Where does that put them amongst other teams in the West? It, it puts them up there. I mean, people are saying, and I, I understand this point, that they have some they have the largest group or the largest amount of cap space in the NBA. Wow. So they can go out there and sign players, <clears throat> okay. and you could try to compete right away, right? They were saying, like, can you go get Fred Van Vliet? Can you go get um, Reeves from the Lakers? Who are you going to go get? And we're still waiting on them to do that. But I will, think— Well, we'll, let me ask you, will they do that this year? Are they going to sit a year? I mean, they, wait a year. They definitely <clears throat> could. But the thing that makes the Spurs—at least the thing that I appreciate is they understand— how to deal with this situation because they've had it twice before between David Robinson and then Duncan or uh, Tim Duncan. Yep. Excuse me. Um, First news we heard after Victor was drafted was they need a center and they started shopping for a center. Whoa, whoa. Hang on a second. He's not a center. They're not going to play him there. They're going to play. Isn't he like seven, seven, five, (laughs) yeah, seven, three. Well, the idea is because where would they possibly play him except the center? They'd probably have to play him as a small forward, or you could play him as a power forward. Because how about this? Let me blow your mind here. What position did Kevin Durant play in college? I'm guessing he probably played a guard, right? Center. Oh, he played center? He played center for a lot of the closing lineups for Texas back in the day. You're kidding. Because he's seven feet tall. Mm. So the idea is he's going to have to be a power forward because he's too thin. Um or at least in general, he's 273, he's 7'4", and he's a wire, right? You need somebody to kind of back him and kind of help him out with that. They've been shopping for Jakob Pertle to get him back. They traded him to the Raptors. Now they want him back to take the brunt of the punishment and the paint, and then you can allow him to be on the exterior, which is what made him special, right? 
Otherwise, we'd be talking about this being the second coming of Ralph Sampson. Right. But this is a case where it's a big man that has ball skills, that can dribble, that can shoot, can pass. He'll block shots. He can range. He can recover on defense. He does all these things in the median, not in the paint. And so now they're saying, okay, we have this gifted player. What makes him special? And how can we highlight that? Okay. And so they say, all right, he doesn't need to be the center. We can close him as one. Right. But why don't we play him like we're playing a Durant? Why don't we use him where his skill set provides us talent? Yeah. And in this case, it's on perimeter play. It's off dribble handoffs. He can still be a screener. He can still be a roller. He can do all of those things. But you still want to allow him to be the threat that he is, which is a seven foot four kid that can hit jump shots over you. So let me ask you this. Two questions about Victor. Number one, does he get hurt if he plays in the paint? I think based that, on his size. Yeah, I, I think the thing I'm not worried about the paint doesn't bug me. It's his feet. We've never seen a guy that big from Przingis to Durant yeah. to Sampson to Hakeem. All of them have had foot injuries. And so this is the biggest one so far. You know, George Mirasan. Yeah. The list goes on. Yao Ming. Like every guy. Well, when you get over 7172, there's just something about those players that cannot, their feet just can't take it. Right. And so I think Victor. How does he fix that? Or how does he prevent that, I should say? Well, apparently he's doing workouts and he's he's doing a special like workout every day to make sure he's stretching himself out, especially his feet, so that he can recover that. But sometimes that's just nature. Like the body isn't meant to be that big and our bodies are fragile anyway, and now he's stretching it out over for the distance. Mm. He's gonna get hurt. Yeah. The question is, how quickly can you recover and how well can you recover? Right. And the Spurs have had a track record besides Kawhi Leonard of doing very well with their players and making sure that they're keeping them in check and keeping right. them healthy. Rest, right. You know, the the resting kind of came from Popovich, resting yeah. Parker, Duncan, Ginobili. Right. I, I think this is the perfect team. He, like, I couldn't have picked a team better really? for him to go to than the Spurs. And that's when drafts get scary. Because when you're talking about, like, Michael – what better team could he have gone to than the Bulls? Right. You know, to have yeah. those first seven years to just figure it out. Figure it out. And then they can start building around him with guys that were willing to kind of go out and trade and be aggressive and do things differently. Sign a Dennis Rodman. You had yeah. an owner who had the guts to do that <laughs> right. at the time. Yeah. Like there are sometimes teams that just make sense. Duncan went to the Spurs. Yep. Made perfect sense. Quiet individual, quiet organization. Both worked yep. hard. You look at like a Golden State, forward-thinking owner that wants to win um, but is willing to invest in new styles of thinking along that way. You get a Steph Curry, a Clay Thompson. You're the first group to win a title with a backcourt yeah. as your leading offensive right. fo- focus. I think this is the team that if anybody can do a good job with Victor, it's them. Okay. Next question about the Spurs. Clearly this makes the team better. Yes. question is, how much better do they make the playoffs this year? Do they want to make the playoffs? I don't think they're aiming to make the playoffs. I think what they're doing is, okay, we locked in. We got our laurel. We Mm -hmm. got our trophy. Yep. Now this next year comes down to how are we going to figure out the team around him? Right. So I think realistically they're going to say, all right, we're going to compete. We're going to be good. We're not going to be great. But we need to figure out, okay, what pieces can we keep? Because – when Victor went off the board, the first conversation I had with my brother was um, Kendall Johnson, who is their best player right now. What do you do with him? You know, right. he's playing that power forward. Do you play him at the small three? What do you mm, do? Is yes. he And is it a Rocco situation where Robert um, Covington was one of the best players for uh, the 76ers, and then when you trade him, 
He's a role player. Is that the case for Kendall Johnson? This really, this first year in my mind, you know, obviously we're not working for the Spurs. Right. It's it's the tryout. Okay, we have the star player. How do they play? How do we want to play them? And how do we build a roster around that style? And what guys work and what guys don't? Because I'm going to guess Doug McDermott's probably going to be gone. Yeah. I love Vassell. I think he'll probably stay. They just re-signed Jones. Jones is going to be a part of their their future here. Mm-hmm. Um, they have enough cap space where they could go out and get two good players. One poss- One's a max, and one might be a really good secondary. Right. And they're not playing with it right now. So that tells me they're going to try this out, and they're really just going to see, all right, we're going to take this year as a year just to build around Victor to kind of see what kind of a player he is and then jump off in that second year. And I hope they do that because that's me the too. right approach. All right, so to round this whole thing out, I'm going to give you four questions. Fire away. Um, And I'm limiting it to the top ten picks, okay? Oh, okay. So I have this list up here. Yeah. So you have to tell me, number one, which player is most likely to succeed? And you can't say Victor. You have to say (laughs) any from two two to ten, which player do you think has a long, successful NBA career? Which is the best, best chance? Shoot. Um, Scoot is the one that I see right away because I think he's too hard of a worker to fail. Okay. Um, if I could have a subclass, people like Grady Dick make a lot of money over a very long period of time, but he's the 14th pick, so right. he doesn't count. Doesn't count. And then I think the Thompson brothers will be good. I don't know if they're going to be all-star levels. It's hard to tell. But I, I think Scoot has a Scoot. chance to make like two all-star teams and then... Okay. Let's go with that. I feel pretty good. Next question. Which player is least likely? Which one maybe doesn't even play this year or maybe is one or two seasons and he's mm. out? And it's just in the top 10. Top 10. I know it's tough, but there will be one or two that probably don't really yeah. make it. Happens every year, right? Um. God, it's between Black and Kudabele. I, I think... Oh, that's so hard. <laughs> Dang it, you're breaking me here. Uh, you know what? I'm going to go shot in the dark. I'm going to say black. Okay, Anthony um, Black. I think defense, people are willing to be more patient. Frank Nilakina is still in the league. Yeah. Um, but Anthony Black, there's it's not there okay. for the defense. He has to round out his offensive game, and he's going to a team where they already have his skill type. Like He's not going to be able to stretch his legs unless something drastic happens, and they're not planning on that. Okay. I just that is a pick that I I've seen time and time again. Yeah, it's a great player. It's a it's a strong player. It makes sense. Not a good fit. It just doesn't fit well. And then on top of that, there's just that it factor that doesn't hit the same way you'd yeah. want with a top ten player. Okay, <clears throat> two more questions. Which is First... shocking. I almost said Walker. <laughs> there's a lot here. Yeah. First one is, do any of these top ten players? move to another team before the season starts. I know there have been a few trades mm. on draft night or whatever or shortly after, but is this pretty much locked in, or do you see any of these players moving before I, the start of the season? I, I think this is it. I think this, this is, is exactly what they're going to do because most of them would have probably been traded by now. Okay. Um, like, I, I could have seen well, even the Pistons, they weren't really active this year. You know, that number five pick is always somebody that gets floated around. Right. Um, but I don't think it's going to be this year. I think okay. the Thompson brothers are just that they can stick. And then the Magic would have been trading these picks if they were interested in moving them around. So I think all of these guys are staying. 
Um, I think if anybody were to throw a wild card in there, it'd be the Jazz, um, simply because they might say, you know what, screw it. Somebody became available. We want to compete this year. Let's go for it. Okay. And you might see Hendricks on the move. But I don't I don't think Danny Ainge is going to do that. I think he's going to sit and wait and at least until Team USA is done qualifying. So mm, sure. they'll be waiting a little while. Okay, my last question about the draft. <clears throat> of the top ten picks, four, five, half of them were not college play. I mean, they didn't come out oh, of college, yeah. right? Yeah. Is that normal for drafts, or is this a really weird year? Because I see, like, Metropolitans 92, Overtime yeah. Elite, the yeah. G League. Yeah. This um, is the new normal. It is. This will be the new normal, yeah, because it wasn't always like this. IMG Academy had a kid, Anthony Simons, that came out at 19, and, you know, it was it was a prep school, prepping guys for, you know, pro athlete athletic careers. Um, they're usually – they specialize with tennis more times than not and football. Sure. But still, he came out of that school. Wow. Um, once the opportunity for the G League uh, came about where players can go from high school to the G League onto teams like G League Ignite, Ignite mm-hmm. and make money, right? it was over. And on top of that, you get NBA coaching. You're playing against NBA-level-ish players, right? right? Guys that are going up and down. Yeah. And why wouldn't you take that? If you had a chance to invest in like a racehorse, for example, not to say that these guys are the same. Right. But if you're investing in a racehorse and you have an opportunity to put him in like a racehorse kind of training, mm-hmm. a way to eat, a way to be held, like everything about it, or just keeping them in the backyard, Mm-hmm. Which which should you choose? For sure. yeah. It's going with the bigger investment because yeah. that's what you're dealing with. Um, so guys like Scoot Henderson naturally are going to go that way. Now not everyone will. You know you're still getting your Brandon Millers coming out of Alabama. Right. Um, but that being said, out of all of these guys, I think except for Scoot and the Thompson brothers, almost all of them weren't within the top twenty of the ESPN count last year. Wow. So like the Thompson brothers were great. And Henderson was great, but both of them chose to go elsewhere. Overtime Elite, this is the first time I've heard of them. Yeah, me too. <laughs> but still, they're a pro-am sure. level where you're playing good minutes against great players. And here they are. It's worked. So you know what? I'm fine with that. And then funny thing about Metro 92, it's owned and operated uh, by, come on, where is it? Boris Dia. Oh. So former French player. And the team was built around Victor. Okay. Um which is so fascinating to me. But we're going to see more international players come over because right now I would make the argument out of the top five players in the NBA, three of them are international. Wow. You got Luka. Luka, yeah. And you got Jokic. And you got Giannis. Wow. And then, I mean, there's guys not far behind. Mm -hmm. Murray's from Canada. Right. And then we have Shea Gilders-Alexander's from Canada. We have stars from other countries now. It's not a USA game anymore. Right. So you need to start in, you know, ever since Kukoc came in. Yep. Like, and people really started to realize, like, oh, no, like, we could get high-level players coming out of Europe. It was a sin to believe that you couldn't before. They just thought they were soft. Well, not anymore. Like, two international players just led a team to a championship. Dirk did it by himself. Yeah, right. It's finally catching up, it feels like. Um, But, yeah, this is going to be the new normal. Okay, I lied. I do have one more question for you. Yeah, that's great. (laughs) These are all rookies coming into the NBA. Yes, a lot of them have played pro other places. What's the biggest adjustment they're all going to have to make when it comes to the NBA? Is it travel? Is it hotels? Is it practicing? What is it? What is the biggest adjustment? The, the number thing, of games? I think the thing that sums it all up is speed. 
Okay. So the speed of offense, the ease at which people score, the speed on the defense, rotational changes, changing up tactics mid-game, not that they're doing that all the time, but how quickly they have to adjust to players, mm-hmm. substitution changes, how quickly you got to get from one city to the next, and then after that, recovery time. Yeah. Like, speed is everything. And when you're trying to fit 82 games into so many months, it's a lot. It's a lot. It is a lot. And I think, you know, there's a subclass for the guys that are, you know, three and above. The expectations. Right. Brandon Miller got selected number two, you know, and if Scoot's better than him. That's going to be tough. It's a tough situation. Yeah, or if he gets back into trouble. Right. You know, now you're going to a franchise that needed you. Yes. And they wanted you. They took him over a player that's arguably better than you. Mm -hmm. Like, I can't imagine the pressure. Like, literally, he got off the stage and he said that they're going to win a title next year. Whoa. You know, but I think he had a crazy (laughs) night, so I'll let him pass, you know. But that's the kind of idea of just the expectations. Like, Victor, can you imagine what's going through his head right now? Oh, my goodness. Everything is on him. Yeah. He better step up. He's a franchise. (laughs) He is. And, yeah. You know, we're going to probably see the Spurs go and become one of the most valuable franchises in all the NBA overnight with him walking across the stage. So it's that kind of stuff. I think speed and expectations will be the two big ones. All right. Well, good. I'm excited for this season. I I can't wait to see a lot of these guys. I've seen a couple of them with, you know, other leagues they've been in and whatnot. But to put them on the NBA stage against, you know, some of the big, you know, the Denver's and yeah. the Phoenixes and stuff, it's going to be a fun year, I think. I I'm really looking forward to it. This <laughs> is a weird rookie class and you know what to yeah. to end on a downer. <laughs> like you always do. Like I always do. <laughs> Next year will be worse. <laughs> oh man. So we'll uh, be right back here and you it. and I will be talking even more <laughs> hypothetical. I don't know that. Yeah. I I'm sh- that's what people are predicting, but you yeah. know what? Um it's so rare that you get a player and a stack of players at the top like this. Yeah. Scoop yeah. could be a one pick. Miller could be a one pick. Victor could be a one pick, yeah. obviously. Right. Any given other year if they weren't together. Right. And that's what makes this draft, I think, so unique. Oh. So I love it, and I hope I hope next year's good. Um, but I think next year's going to be like a drafts draft. Like that's where me yeah. and you are going to pull out the whiteboard and right. start pretending like we're in that <laughs> Kevin Costner movie about the Browns draft right. day. I'll be like, Oh, you're cursing at me. Yeah. yeah. So I'm looking forward to it. Sounds but. great. Me too. Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much for listening. If you want to get in contact with the show or listen to past podcasts, visit our website at that's a dumb Otherwise tune in next time for another dumb rule.